You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 124 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary. And today, we are wrapping up our month of product podcasts. How do you want to? Product-based information, information about product-based businesses. There it is. (laughs) Information about product-based businesses. Expert. For our July theme. Our expert interviews and information for product-based businesses. There it is. That's it. There you go, everybody. I like how we've gone, we've gone mind. the whole month yeah. and now we're figuring it out, yeah. figuring out what to call it. I want to apologize to our very good friend, Amanda Berlin, who um, specializes in communication and has worked with both Mary and I, and we have failed her. We have. The other day I was talking to her about some of the courses that I've been creating and I was like, yeah, and it's going to be this. And she's like, um... I hope you work on that messaging. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I I know. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She probably feels like that every time I talk to her. Yeah. It's just like, just, I'm like spewing things at her and she's like, maybe work on that. Yeah. (laughs) So helpful. She's so smart. She can literally like, I don't know. She just like distills information so well in such a, it just sounds so much better when she says it than when I do. So much better. So yeah. much better. It's really today's, incredible. Today's kind of cool because we're bringing you, we have two guests today that work together in a partnership, which is kind of fun. They're like one of the few successful partnerships out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I love it because they really help. They have, they both have product-based um, businesses or consult for product-based businesses. And they really help product-based business owners um, in sort of scaling and dealing with some of the issues that face product-based businesses. So that sort of had me thinking about just how different a product-based business and a service-based business is. And I was thinking about it in the context of my law firm, where I work with both service-based business owners and product business owners. And the product business owners will come to me and it'll be a year, maybe a year and a half before like they've launched anything. And then I'll have service-based business owners who are like, yeah, think about you know, offering consulting and like a month later, they're like, I'm ready to go. So it's really interesting. Like you have to think about packaging and labeling and there's all kinds of regulations around that. Oh yeah. 
the road is very different. I have a client. And it depends where you're, yeah, where you're importing from, all of it. Oh, yeah. Materials. Mm -hmm. Prototypes. I have a client that creates um, clothing that have, like, um, sunscreen protection in it. Oh. We spent so much time, like, with that packaging. It's really interesting. There's a lot that goes into it. Made in America, made in the USA. Those labels have their own set mm-hmm. of rules. Where, yeah, where it's made versus where it's assembled versus where yeah. it's packaged. I've learned all, all very this. different. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's and different. And the agreements are different, right? Like distri- distribution agreements, mm-hmm. wholesale agreements. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you're dealing with overseas companies, they won't even enter into an agreement. They're like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And even like things like clothing, depending what you're doing, like you may or may not even be able to get a patent for it. It has to be really unique to get a patent. Patents are very difficult. That's a, that's a a specialty that I do not have. Ooh, we should get a patent lawyer to come on. I know someone who can do it too. Look at that. We'll have to future episode alert. We will bring on a patent lawyer. Many people confuse patents trademarks and copyright and I don't I practice Mm. trademarks and copyright but I do not practice in the patent area and I do recommend that if you are looking for a patent attorney make sure they are a very experienced patent attorney Um, I have a couple of great ones that I recommend to people uh, that I know have been practicing for a very long time it is very specialized I won't even go near it (laughs) yeah oh yeah no it's a whole different whole different animal but it's hard and it takes a very long time it does and it's like it's very tricky. Yeah, my dad has a, he has at least one patent. But yeah, patents is a whole other thing and a, a huge investment, time, finances, everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. So for episode. The, the product-based businesses are definitely, they're definitely different for sure. They're different. Yeah. Um, but, and I, you know, I think I notice, I always knew they were different, but I notice how different they are more now that I have both product and service business. Do you think, are they also marketed different? Cause that's not my, that's not my jam. I can help you with all the other stuff, but I don't do anything with marketing. So do you think marketing a product based business is very different than marketing a service based business? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's some things that are similar. I feel but... like with a service, you're kind of selling the person. Right. And a product it's, it's very interesting to me. I look I usually look up when I see new product businesses, I usually look up like their about page and stuff. Like, are they putting themselves as part of the brand or not? Because for brief transitions, I tell my story, it's a very big part of it. But um, some products, it's just like, okay, these are sunglasses and they're, you know, they're really focused on the sunglasses, not on the person behind the sunglasses. Hmm. Yeah. I find with service-based businesses, you almost are forced to focus on the individual or individuals that and that's interesting because then when you slide into information products which are not quite physical products but they are something tangible you tend to move you still want to utilize some of the expert credibility because otherwise why would I buy this information product but then you start moving more into the customer need um, and less about who the person once you sort of get that expert status you don't need to focus on that as much. Right. So it's like a continuum. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, I always think it's better for product businesses, especially smaller product businesses to have a name and a face, like showing yourself as part of the brand. Um, but you know, some people do without that. 
I'm way more inclined for a small business to buy when the person has like a really interesting story. Yeah, me too. I get really excited. I'm like, oh, I want to support that, right? Like it's not just like it's a cool product, but if I'm choosing between two products that maybe are similar uh, and one of them has like a really interesting story, I'm almost always going to pick the interesting story. Yeah, because otherwise you feel like it's really like just like cookie cutter from a box and like or like a like a big box store or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think everybody, particularly now, we're trying to focus on the small business. Right. So I agree with Share that. the love. Yeah. So I want to introduce our guests um, and tell you guys a little bit more about them so we can get on to the interview. Jacqueline and Mina are the co-founders of the Product Boss Podcast. They have grown a community of high-achieving product-based female business owners and have helped them scale their physical product businesses through masterminds, group coaching, and courses designed specifically for the product-based business owners ranging from startup conception to multi-million dollar companies. Jacqueline is a product startup expert who has helped launch over a thousand product brands over the last 12 years, including celebrity brands. She has a BFA in fashion design, owns designer consulting co-op and has helped almost a thousand fashion based brands grow their businesses. Nina is a product business expert with a vast knowledge of Amazon and product-based growth strategies. She has a master's of business administration and over 15 years of entrepreneurial experience. She's the owner of Low Labels and currently has a revenue of multiple six figures selling on multiple platforms, including Amazon, Walmart, and Jet. Together, their goal is to change the landscape of product entrepreneurship by connecting women around the world through modern leadership and a blend of business tactics and motherhood. And now on to the interview. I'm so excited to be here today with the amazing duo behind The Product Boss. Podcast, courses, membership, strategy, brilliance. Jacqueline and Mina, welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Tell everyone, I mean, I just, you know, I feel like we can go now because I've just given you like the introduction of a lifetime, but I feel like <laughs> you should be able to tell more about yourself. So tell us about who you are and what you do. Of course. So I'm Jacqueline Snyder and it's Mina Kunlis-Utap and we're the co-hosts of the Product Boss podcast and we help product-based business owners build profitable businesses with strategies and we help them improve their systems. We help them grow their visibility and ultimately make more sales. So we have the podcast, but like you said, we also offer courses and masterminds and we really, we are both product-based business owners, or I used to be, and we really want to support other small businesses um, and help them grow. I love it. I mean, as everyone who's been listening knows, we're wrapping up our month of product information for product-based business owners. And there was literally no question in my mind that I was going to hound you until you agreed to come on the podcast. Because in my mind, you guys are the absolute experts in this area. I want to start, we've been talking, our audience really consists of people all over the map, whether they're just starting out or they're trying to scale. So I'd love to start, maybe Mina, you can start for us with advice for people who are just getting started. I think the best advice that we give anybody who wants to start a product-based business is to research everything you can about that industry and get accustomed to what that life looks like. Because you do not want to start something that you end up not wanting to live for your dream life, because eventually that becomes unsustainable, unsubstantial. Oh my gosh, I can't speak today. You know what I'm saying? Un, not sustainable. 
<laughs> and also the other piece of advice that we love to give is that you really need to think about your minimum viable product, meaning what could you sell that comes at lower cost, lower risk, just to validate your idea of if that will work or not, if the target market is there, if they're willing to pay for it, and if that is something that you would bring joy to for your own life, so you could imagine that for yourself. I, I love, so that's amazing advice. And one thing that we've really stressed to a lot of people who've been listening is just how different a service-based business, which you guys also run, obviously, and a product-based business is. Because with the service-based business, we're just throwing up a website and we're just hoping. But there's so much investment on the front end of a product-based business. And so when you talk about market research, how do you even start, go about doing that? So I, when we talk about minimal viable product, there's a couple of ways you can do that. A lot of the entrepreneurs we work with are makers. So they can easily get together some feeds and make jewelry. They can start to pour their own candles and they can start somewhere. That's the beauty also in the ability to make. Now, we're not talking about those people who need a patent or creating something that they need a manufacturer, but I'm talking about the actual makers. So if that's the case and you want to come out with something, we don't suggest that you come out with candles and bath bombs and body lotion and all of these things, you start with that one thing that you feel very strongly about that maybe was the inspiration and you see if you can sell it. Can you sell it to your friends and family? Can you sell it locally? Who can you sell it to? Do people want it? And what's their feedback? The other way you can go about this and Jamie, you know me for a long time that I consult people that are starting fashion lines, which is not, we're not just sewing these up and at home, right? It's with manufacturers. Sometimes it comes down to testing the market in terms of even Instagram. So can you build out on social media? Can you start to build a, I'm helping someone right now with equestrian. Can she post pictures on social media? Initially friends and family are going to follow. Then she starts to gain people. And what are they attracted to? Are they following you for something in particular that then you can make the product against it? So do they like the pants more than the shirts? Are they loving shirts and they want to see more shirts? And you can start to pull an audience. You can almost do minimal viable product without actually ever making anything. So there's, there's a couple ways around that strategy. That's smart. That seems like, I feel like for those who are a little more risk adverse, that's the way <laughs> to go. But I feel like it's very personal depending on what it is that you're creating, I would imagine, mm -hmm. which is why spending the time, I love the advice of what's going to bring you joy. Because so many people go in and they're like, oh, I have a little side hustle. And then it just becomes your whole life. <laughs> so knowing what's going to make you excited. So what are some of the most common mistakes that you see product-based business owners making? I think that the most common one is that they, think that they can do it alone. And they learn very quickly that they actually need other people to help them on the bad days. They probably need to also involve a team. They also probably need to consult their spouse or their partner because their lives change. When you start bringing in products, for instance, there's that initial investment, but you also have inventory in some space in your house. And it's staring at you as you live your daily life, you know, and, and sometimes people don't quite grasp that, or they didn't check in with their partner to see if that was the commitment that they were willing to take. So really thinking about that, as far as it being a bit of a mistake to communicate where this journey is going to go. Plus 
feeling like they can't ask for things that they need. They can't tell their friends and family what they're doing. They keep it a little bit, you know, even with social media, when Jacqueline was talking about validating validating an idea on Instagram and you said it was more risk adverse, I wouldn't say that's the case for a lot of people. It's putting yourself out there in a way that people might not be comfortable with. And lots of product people do not love putting themselves out there on social media. It is a little bit like if you're willing to put yourself out there and show up for your customer, show up for your product, for your business, put, get your family on board, there's a level of commitment to that. And that's the mistake that we see for people is that they are only willing to do a certain amount and they could have realized that from the very beginning. That's, I never would have thought, as a person who is the face of the brand that I've created, I just presume that my face is going to be everywhere. And we so We pulled it has, our audience actually. It's really? It's 85% introvert. Oh my gosh, who make product. That's so interesting. And then you take your service professionals and we're like, put us on Instagram. <laughs> That's so, I, that I never see. This is why I bring you guys. You guys are the experts. I just assume we're all cool with hopping on video and talking about our life story. That is really scary to put yourself out there. I want to add to that. Um, so yes, because Mina and I are the perfect example. I'm the extrovert and she's the introvert in this relationship and we are service-based and we're front-facing. The other thing though, I will say that I see mistakes, So that's one part because some people will tell us I'm not even telling my family I have a business. It's, it's a, it's a very interesting thing because it's, it's risky. And the risk is that we, you have a job and this is a side hustle. And what are you doing? The other biggest mistake that I see is throwing spaghetti at the wall. So when they think that they need to make more of everything, or they have to try and make a whole bunch of things to be relevant to more people, more customers. So a lot of times in service, you talk about niching down. Well, we talk about niching down, sometimes identifying what your best seller is and doing more of your best seller and then variations of your best seller. So when I go back to candles, for example, if our candle selling or 16 ounce jar candle selling that you can make smaller versions of that same scent, are there bundles you can put together versus them all of a sudden thinking like, well, now I'm going to make body sprays and all these other items. And then the cost goes up because they need different packaging, different bottles, different raw goods. And so I think that's the other biggest mistake. And we're always, we, we're always honing our students in and saying, hold on, what's selling for you? Let's do more of that. That's really, that makes a lot of sense. You talked about, um, you can't do a little alone. And I know part of that obviously is your support system, right? It's your family, it's your friends. It might be like your business bestie as people call it, but what other members of a team might you need in a product-based business? Not necessarily the ones who are going to give you the emotional support, which is so critical, but the partners you may need, whether they're vendors or staffers, who does, I know in a service-based business, I hired an operations person first, um, but I don't know if that's different in a product-based business. I'm just going to jump on because we just got off another podcast interview with a very successful product entrepreneur that we know. And we asked her that question. We said, who was the first hire that you made? And usually the very first hire we've seen this consistently is the person that's going to duplicate you. Oftentimes, if you're a maker, you're almost the bottleneck of your own business. And so even though they may need other people and other things, that very first thing is basically duplicating yourself. And a lot of times it's in the making or production. And then it allows you, the owner of the business, to start to think of other things. And then that second hire that she made was then somebody that could help them with the struggles they might have, like operations or, or things that they really can't fill in and they don't need to learn it, but they could hire someone for it. 
that's very different than a service-based business. So that's another really interesting example because I didn't need to duplicate myself. I needed someone to do all the other things. That's really interesting. Huh. Look at that. I learned so much from you guys. So when you're scaling, right? Like, let's say we have the product. We've listened to you guys. We have the candle that everybody is obsessed with. They're making it. They sell out of it all the time. Like it is the greatest. It smells like vanilla and coffee and all the things you want to smell in a candle. And everyone buys it because it's non-toxic and all the great stuff. How do you scale? Like, what are the struggles that people face when they're scaling? And, and where do you even start? I think I'll tackle that one because I think that this is something we hear from our product-based businesses all the time is how do I scale? And they think it comes down to one thing when it comes down to a lot of things. But I think the thing that mainly happens is that makers tend to be creatives and they feel like they want to make lots of things. And when I'm kind of going to circle back to what Jacqueline was saying, when really they should start with variations and they aren't fun variations. It's more like, here's the two pack, here's the three pack, here's various different colors. Here's a bundle version of that. Here is the sister version of that. You're almost creating a spider web of products before you go into a full collection. It's a little bit counterintuitive because there are industries that are product that are collection-based. But what we want to, if you're a small business, is figure out what your bestseller is. Because when you start with your bestseller, you can also grow and scale into wholesale because you know that you have the data behind it. And then you can say to that reseller, this is our bestseller. People love it because of this. This is when it sells best. Here's the key selling points. And you're able to come to the table with uh, the reason why it sells. So really scaling in different ways. Also, when you think about Amazon and you think about walmart.com or all these other different platforms that a product could go onto, you should also start with your bestseller, meaning that you already know it's going to sell. You already know people will love it. So you should start there instead of trying to scale across more products, you should actually go deeper instead of wide. That makes a lot of sense. Now you mentioned wholesaling. That's a whole other world, I would imagine. Is there something specific that you need to show or before wholesaling is even an option for you? Like if you just decide I'm making these amazing candles, I presume you're not going to start in wholesale. What data do you need to have and what are wholesalers looking for? Wholesale is my love language. So Mina and I have come together because I come from a very traditional the traditional realm of uh, selling products. And then Mina is, and I call it the new world because she came up at a time when Amazon was this, this new thing and you could, you could put your products on there for wholesale. Typically, actually, you probably do need collections with wholesale and it doesn't mean that you can't start with wholesale. So again, I come, I'm in fa the fashion industry and typically that is the, you either go direct to consumer on your own website or you go wholesale. What you need to do is number one, you need to make sure the margins are there to sell wholesale. So the biggest mistake that I see that when people want to start, they are not accounting for labor in the right way, or usually your margins are off in your very first collections because you have to hit higher minimums and you might have a different margin. So for sure it's pricing and it's the understanding of the expectations of retailers. There's so many amazing things now that are available. We have a course called multi-issue machine and we teach in there, we teach how to get on Amazon and we teach how to start selling wholesale easily because the world has changed since you needed a rep and you needed a sh like a showroom and you needed to go to these trade shows. There's other ways to access that, but you need to have your margins. You need to have vari variations to the products. You have to have some, a collection that's big enough that they want to buy from. So when we talk about candles, you could still have a candle company, but maybe you have 
eight to 16 cents of those candles with different names and they go and they get to have their options. So when you're going wholesale, they need to pull from options. So it really depends, I think on the budget and the category you're in. And cause if you're in jewelry, if you're in fashion, there's certain categories that you're probably going to need more versus Mina's the owner of little labels, which is a label company for baby bottles and kids products. And she has these seal and stick labels, but there's the variations there that the animal friends or whatever the little faces. And then she, her, from there, she created uh, clothing labels to write, you know, your kid's name. So you don't lose their clothes at school and that's it. That's her business. And she has these variations of it that people could buy these packs. There's enough variations to buy from. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds to me like you really have to understand your data and your numbers. It's all about that. And I feel like a lot of creators (laughs) hate that. (laughs) So is that a place to find a good expert for to help you with those numbers? Um, I think from my perspective, from pricing, I see mistakes all the time. And again, it's the idea of, of margin. So we see the issue of if they are the maker, they're not accounting for their own labor. Mm. or they want to charge too much for their labor, or they are not charging enough for their labor. So if you're making it yourself, that's a huge issue. And what we teach oftentimes, you know, we help them figure out when we go back to the question about scaling, what can they buy more of for a better margin? Mm. Right. Cause you, with the thing about products is you're sitting on all these raw goods, you're sitting on finished goods, you're sitting on stuff and you need to sell it and you turn it back into cash. So I think for sure that, and for sure pricing, we have like a whole module that we teach pricing because sometimes products don't have a built-in. They just actually can't sell wholesale. And then that would be, you know, right now, that's just not an option for you. And that's okay. There's loads of product-based businesses that don't go the wholesale route, especially now, like you said, with all these alternate avenues of the Amazon, the Walmart, the Etsy. Do you recommend if someone has decided, I don't want to go the wholesale route, I just want to sell for myself. Do you recommend that they start on one of these platforms or they start in their own or a combination of both? I think we always say don't have your eggs all in one basket, but if you're a small business, you don't have eyes on your product either. So you have to start somewhere. Sites like Etsy, Amazon, Walmart, they have traffic that you would never, ever be able to get in front of. So it's a great way to start, but don't go there just because they have eyes. They have to be your type of customer eyes. You know, don't go shopping for a wedding or don't put your wedding dress on Amazon because there's all these eyes. It has to be where your customer is. My baby bottles sell on Walmart and Jet on and Amazon because it's a thing of convenience of moms trying to solve a problem of sending their kids to daycare for washable labels. It's a very, very problem answer, question answer here. And it's not a matter of aesthetics or smelling something or, or anything like that. It's much more um, tactile and straightforward. That's why they sell better on Amazon because people want it in two days and, and that's that. But if they're look, if your customer is not there and you're trying to sell fine jewelry or trying to sell, like I said, wedding dresses, you really have to start a platforms that could bring the right traffic to you. Otherwise there's almost no point. Sounds like it goes back to market research. Yes. So do you advise someone who's say been in a product-based business for you know, whether it's a year, two years, three years, that they should be continually doing market research. Yes. Yes. And I mean, right now in COVID times, there is a lot of research and trying to stay relevant to your customers. Right when the pandemic hit, for example, Mina and I put together a course, uh, we called it the survival kit course bundle because you had to be relevant. Why would they want to buy? The biggest question was like our jewelry businesses. 
why does anyone need jewelry right now? And we helped make that leap for them. And then they made that leap for their customer because we're all on zoom because there's upper dressing because we all have to look good from the waist up or maybe even just like the elbows up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so it's making that leap. So the market research, I think it's, I think it's staying in tune with your customer as well. And also what your business needs and what it can handle. So the, the idea of multi-machine machine, like the, it's basically the foundation of our business and what we teach. It's, it's the idea of like, they say that millionaires have seven forms of income. So we believe the same for, product-based businesses, they have multiple streams of revenue. You cannot, you can grow solely on one platform to start, but eventually you need to spread it out. You need to be on other people's platforms. Platforms change. For example, Amazon went down during COVID. So what do you do? If that's your sole source of income or revenue, then where else are you selling? Are you selling direct to consumer? So that's, we actually helped everyone get online, even if they didn't have a website, that was sort of our mission and goal. So I think it's a little bit of market research. It's for sure. Where is your customer? Where is your customer buying? And if there's, and maybe your business has grown now and it can be on a different platform and it has the ability to spread and sell more of whatever you're selling. I mean, it's the same idea. Um, you know, you don't want to have one client who's all of your income because if that client fires you or something happens, you're done. So that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I had an experience with a client who her Amazon listing got taken down Mm. and that was, that can happen. You get into Amazon jail and Amazon doesn't care about talking to you, you know, (laughs) like it's really hard. It's a massive company with a ton of sellers and getting the right person on the phone and getting it fixed, whatever can be a week or two. And if that's the case, that can mean a lot, you know, suddenly you're not ranked. And, and so relying on multiple ways people can see what you're doing makes a lot of sense for sure. Oh, I just wanted to add too that it, it, what we're re- really seeing for the difference, Jacqueline was talking about a COVID times or in COVID times, right? And really we're seeing the people that are engaging the best with their customers are the ones that are standing out. So you're always circling back to your market. You're always circling back to getting to know that better, that customer market better, because being relevant to them and resonating with them and solving their problems and and not causing decision fatigue and making it really easy to buy from you. But, but honestly, it comes down to showing up too. There's some people that just went dark during all of this. And then what happens? Well, your customers forget about you because there's so much going on in the world. But there's also other people, the other half of that were the people that over-delivered. They did doorstep delivery. They did curbside pickup, you know, whatever it ended up being, or they sent special things in the mail, or they just called to check in with you or showed up on social media more. Those are the people that the, as customers that you will remember that business when this is all done, the ones that still showed up, the, the ones that stayed in your life, the ones that were relevant. And I think that will really make a difference for small businesses during this time. It's not going to be, you know, Amazon wholesale, whatever it is not about showing up. It's, it's showing up significantly as far as like your relevancy to them. Yeah. I mean, look, customer loyalty with products is, is everything. It's, you know, there are certainly, I know certain brands I'm always going to go to. Yeah. And when I'm going to buy. And so, and there's usually a reason for it, whether it's a personal connection or something that resonates with me in their marketing in some way. So for the small, for the small business owner, the one who's just launched and, or even has been going for a little bit of while, how do you recommend that they market their products? Good question. <laughs> well, the, we talk about showing up and showing up consistently. And we also like to say, how do we say it, Mina? Done is 
done is better than perfect. Yeah. We joke about this because Jacqueline always says, how do we say this? Perfect, better done than perfect. She always <laughs> mixes it up, but I never correct her because you better said than not said, right? But it's actually done is better than perfect is our graphic that we have done. So, but it's showing up. And so when we talk about other people's platforms, it could be like, like we said, Amazon, it's marketing also goes into the idea of being in front of other people's customers' eyes. So in retail environments, on other platforms, part of subscription boxes, think about the places that you've discovered new things. And in a time where really in-person is not happening, we're not walking, there's less markets and art fairs and trade shows. So we've leaned into social, obviously, but then what if you don't have the eyes on social? So again, it's getting on other people's platforms. Are you working with influencers? Are you getting on podcasts? Are you doing giveaways? Are you, how are you showing up? But nonetheless, you show up and you keep showing up. It is a slow roll. And then email marketing is a huge thing. People don't do this. And, and a lot of the list building, the conversation about list building comes from service-based providers that are like, here's my opt-in and give me your email list. And for product people, it's different. The opt-in is typically that discount. They need a discount to take that chance on your, on your business because it's easier to sell to them again than having to always acquire new customers. So the other side of marketing is email and showing up in their inbox and being consistent with that and being relevant to them. And I think, so I think a mix between social media, being on other people's platforms, be it for sales or marketing and also in the email. Email marketing, the struggle is real mm -hmm. <laughs> for everybody. I, that is something that I definitely wrestle with myself. So I, for all the product-based businesses out there who do not like doing email marketing, I feel you. <laughs> So you guys have given us such incredible information. I am so grateful for you taking the time. Please tell everyone where they can find you and where all of your amazing courses and masterminds are so that, and your podcast, so everybody can listen because I've listened. It's, it's awesome. Thanks, Jamie. So if you just, when you're done listening to this, just go on and over, search the product boss and subscribe to the podcast where anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are at theproductboss.com. We are the product boss on Facebook and on Instagram. The cool thing about when this episode is coming out is we're actually launching rock your holiday promotions challenge. It's a five day free challenge. It's five days where we're going to help you product based businesses, create your promotions for the holidays. So yes, it's August. It's going to be August and everything planning for Christmas and the holidays is happening earlier this year. So we're actually going to help our students figure out what they're going to do for Black Friday, Cyber Monday right now. And imagine getting it all done in the summer so that you can live your best life and focus on your business moving forward. So we'll see you in there. But I cannot even think about the holidays, but I know you have to. So that is very brilliant. Thank you guys so much. We're going to drop all those links in the show notes so you can easily find these two awesome, awesome experts. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks so much, Jamie. Thank you. They have so much knowledge between the two of them. They it's do. Awesome. Yes. Lots of good information. Um, for sure. For anybody looking for product-based information, their podcast is definitely a great place to start and a good resource. Their Instagram game is strong. It is. Yes. And they're really awesome humans. They I are. For a while. I really like Jacqueline and Mina. Yeah. Awesome. So how should we, we wrap up product month? What should we talk about in the Facebook Question. group? Let's let everybody, anybody who's a product-based business owner, drop your product. 
Yeah. Let's do that. Share with us. Share your products so we can buy them and give yeah. you all the dollars. Yeah. We'll give you all the dollars. We're so and make sure you actually post your link. This is like a time where you can promote yourself. So yes. Go I for it. it. Yes. If you are not a member of our group, you can find us on Facebook searching for Fearless Business Podcast. You can also find us at the fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.